I can't eat this for dinner. Okay. So I'm going to have this and this and okay, I'm not going to, you know, it's just always a chess game. It's this like manipulative chess game where you're like, okay, I did this. So I have to do this and I didn't do this. So I have to do this. And you're never satisfied and you're never there. You are more than this body. You are more than this weight. And these are the practices that you're going to have to do to heal yourself because your healing is not going to be a quick fix. And your healing is so much more than just like how you look. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Feichels. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast and tuning into today's episode. I know there are many, many others out there, so truly, it's appreciated. And speaking of today's episode, we have such a fire one, such a full circle moment, a big day for the podcast and for me and for all of you listening because Krista Williams of Almost 30 Podcast is here today to chat all the things from body acceptance and spirituality and overcoming diet culture. Oh, this episode just makes my heart happy. Not because of the topics. I mean, it's horrible how many of us relate to these diet culture and body image struggles, but just the flow and the ease of the conversation between Krista and I, I feel it really highlighted some important topics that I think a lot of us are struggling with and a lot of us need to hear and think about right now. And nothing makes me happier than knowing that you all can take something away from these episodes to embrace the hard times, to work through the hard shit, and eventually come out the other side feeling more inspired, empowered, and just overall in charge of your life. It's like a proud mom moment for me to watch these episodes resonate and make an impact. Um, But backing it up a bit, in case you're new and didn't know this, Almost 30, hosted by Krista and Lindsay, was actually the first, it was like the catalyst for change and for everything in my life. Thanks to them, I had the courage and the mindset to really make my own path in life. And that started with leaving college and then starting my Instagram and then this podcast. And now I'm just slowly, ever so slowly, crafting like the dream ideal life that I've always dreamt of for myself. And so getting the chance to chat with Krista and Lindsay, which was previous episode 99, check it out, was just such a blessing. And I was actually so grateful, so, so grateful still that in May I was on Almost 30. I had a podcast episode with them. So go ahead, check that out, linked below. But on to today's actual convo, it's a real good one. Krista and I break down what I like to call the side effects of diet culture. So think of things such as body dysmorphia, food fears, the restrict to binge cycle, exercise addiction, the unknown health issues of it all, etc. The list could go on and on. So to start out, Krista shares her journey from childhood, really, because that's where a lot of this diet culture starts, from those around us as we're growing up or from the media we consume, 
it starts really young and forms some strong roots in our mind. Which is why as Krista shares her journey through all of these side effects, we also dive into how much of this is all a mindset too. It's a way of thinking, of believing, and acting that stems from our distorted mindset with food, or with our body, or with health in general, fitness, you know what I mean here. And, you know, fundamentally, this diet culture issue is a mental struggle. It's something you have to work through to heal your mind just as much as your body. And Krista refers to it in this episode as a sort of mental chess game, which is so true. I mean, you're, it's a chess game you're constantly playing. It's just, it's the damn truth. And, you know, then when it comes to body acceptance in particular, Krista shares grounding practices that have helped her as well as the power of analyzing where our thoughts are coming from, which I've discussed this a bit before too. The Untethered Soul is a great book that I recommend for this. Really helps you understand like what thoughts are my own, what thoughts are coming in from outside sources. You get the gist. And then we kind of dive into the topic of emotional restriction, which is something, as you guys know, if you've been listening to recent episodes or following me on Instagram, I've realized is something that I still struggle with time to time. I think a lot more of us struggle with it than we sometimes realize. Uh, And as Krista shares, it was definitely something that she had to work through and continue to work through. And uh, she is someone who, you know, was plant-based for a long time, was mostly vegan. And so she had an even, I don't know, like harder time kind of battling those spiritual beliefs about being vegan with the emotional restriction, but craving certain foods. And I mean, it's really just a, it's a mind fuck. It's a cycle. It's hard to work through, but you can get through it. And so we share kind of our experience with that and what, you know, what the issue is when we do place those moral values on food and whether that makes us physically restrict or emotionally restrict, it just, it really affects you. And so that's why it matters so much to analyze the intention. You know, like, what is your intention behind not eating this food? Or what is your intention for choosing this food over that food? You know, or even what is your intention with, you know, claiming yourself as gluten-free or as a vegetarian or as vegan? You know, and I'm not here to say any of those things are bad or wrong. There are certain circumstances for all of them. But just remember intention. What is it? (laughs) And then a personal favorite of this entire conversation, and it was like a rather random thought that came up just as we were just talking, is the difference between praise and affirmations and why this matters when you're communicating with others uh, and especially when you're in that recovery mindset or really any sort of conversation with people. So stay tuned for it. Uh, There is a lot of good, a lot to ponder on in this episode, and I really hope it resonates with you in one way or another. Remember to check out Almost 30 Podcasts. I love all of their episodes, and if you want to hear my episode, I'll have it linked below. It was back in May and was such a blast. So you can find Krista on Instagram at It's Krista and at Almost 30 Podcast linked below. I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. Please tag us on your stories if you listen or reach out. I'm always happy to connect. So without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation. I don't know. You just need rain every once in a while just to reset. 
You do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We had, um, for even around here, like in Pennsylvania, it was a super hot, dry spell and we just got like one or two days of rain. And like, usually that would be, I don't know. I love being outside, but it was so refreshing to just be inside and see all the plants, you know, like like the nature glows afterwards. So it's good. (laughs) And it's one of those things too. I was talking to a friend today about, um, everything going on with quarantine and like how at the beginning it was almost like nice because we were all in it together and we're all inside. We're like, Oh, we have to be inside. So when it's raining, you're like, Oh, we have to be inside. So it like mm-hmm. gives you an excuse to rest. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that's the underlying reason I really enjoy it. You know, it's yeah. Ultimately that reason to rest. So huge. It's nice. Well, thank I'm so you. Glad here. I've been loving your Instagram lately. You're like one <laughs> of the only people I like read all your posts. I'm like, Oh, what a light. Oh my gosh. That means so much. No, but thank you. I, I've just been so resonating so deeply with like everything, the solo episodes you guys are doing every Thursday, whether you're together or solo, like I just, they're just hitting home. It's like every time, whatever you choose to release is exactly what me. And it seems like the collective is working through. So it's just, I mean, obviously always an honor to talk, but especially lately, I've just been relating so deeply. So that's my thank you to you. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. You're like one of the best. So I'm just like, and I know we have so, we have like really great things that we could talk about. So I've been looking forward to this. It feels like just like a joy for me. To kind of start off, I'd love if we could just dive into your journey with body acceptance, weight gain, and all that goes into it. So a lot of listeners that are here are currently struggling with the side effects, I like to call it, of diet culture. And you have this journey with it. So I'd love to know, first and foremost, do you feel as though your body image struggles were more of the physical sense or more of the mental emotional? So what needed to shift ultimately, you or your mindset? Yeah, great question. So mine was definitely a mindset thing. It was something that I picked up from being very young and and watching my mom, Um, you know, because I've been really healing in the past couple of years, I've also had healing conversations with my mom. And, you know, for most of us that have a mom or a mother figure, a lot of our body stuff comes from that female relationship. And that was definitely true for me. And, you know, my mom always saw food as a threat. She always saw it like it's so weird because even as a little kid, like the menu would come or bread would come or her meal would come. And it would always be like, there was always a hesitation or there was always this energy of fear. And I always noticed my mom always ordered soup. She would only eat soup at restaurants. She would, um, you know, never order anything else. And I was like, Oh, I guess she just loves soup. I'm not sure. But you know, it just became something where I picked up these patterns of her really hating being in her body and her never allowing herself to really feel pleasure. And, um, as a young kid, you know, there was a lot of uh, mental illness in my family and there was, um, it was a pretty chaotic environment. My mom was, you know, suicidal for most of my life. And we went through a lot of different, um, situations and issues and I found comfort in food. So my dad was someone on the other end of my mom who loved food, like embraced food, like almost in an unhealthy way now that I see, but was like eating like ice cream all the time. So I was like, oh my gosh, my mom is crazy and chaotic. She hates food. My dad is like loving food and he feels calm to me. So it was like our thing to get us together and make us feel close was like sneaking out to get ice cream and all these things. So as a young kid, I um, put on weight and I was like kind of chubby when I was younger. Um, 
and comparatively to my sister, and, and I'm doing everything in quotes. And then I started to get comparisons to her for being the one that wasn't thin or all these things. So I even felt more uncomfortable. I was like, okay, so they're not happy, you know, in the house. I'm finding food, comfort in food. That's feeling good, but no one's happy with the way that I look. Okay, what do I need to do? And over time, you know, I really learned that I needed to control food, that food was um, always gonna be on my mind. It was always gonna be a thing for me and that I did need to be thin or I need. I thought I needed to be thin to be loved and I thought I needed to be thin to be successful and to be seen and all these things. And over time, as I got older, you know, even in seventh and eighth grade, I was still like, you know, figuring out my body. And in high school, I ended up losing weight because I really, my eating, my disordered eating really kicked in and I remember getting attention and I had, guys telling me, wow, you look so much better thin, you know, all these things. And that's when I started to explore diet pills and slim fast and uh, caffeine pills and all these different things that I was trying to lose weight. Um, I would work out for an hour a day, you know, on the elliptical and do all these practices. Um, and that continued in college where I would do, I would take people's Adderall prescriptions because I knew it would, um, make me not eat. I would take diet pills and I would pretty much just do every trick in the book to um, try and restrict my eating, try and control my appetite and try and make myself smaller. Um, you know, there wasn't really a reprieve at all. And I actually thought it was just going to be my life. I was like, oh man, I remember like sometimes I'd be in my car and I'd be like, what would my life be like if I didn't think about what I was eating all the time? You know, when you have that disordered eating, you're like, okay, so I ate a granola bar for breakfast. Okay, so now that means I can't eat this for lunch. I can't eat this for dinner. Okay, so I'm going to have this and this. And okay, I'm not going to, you know, it's just always a chess game. It's this like manipulative chess game where you're like, okay, I did this, so I have to do this. And I didn't do this, so I have to do this. And you're never satisfied and you're never there. So my disordered eating and working out continued through college and in um, when I lived in Chicago and I worked in the corporate world and um, I did find some semblance of peace when I found yoga. Yoga was really helpful for me and really understanding like why the body was beautiful and why I felt connected. Uh, but it really came to a head when I moved to Los Angeles. So I was in Chicago, New York, and then Los Angeles. Um, and I had my hormonal health issues. So all my diet pills stopped working. Um, you know, my body was sick of taking diet pills and sick of taking all these stimulants to lose weight and working out 20 times, you know, literally I do doubles most days. I would work out in the morning and work out at night. My body started to reject it. I put on 20 pounds like pretty quickly. I think it was probably in a month, maybe less than a month. And so I went from my smallest, which wasn't still enough to my biggest, which you know, felt like so shameful. Like I felt terrible. I felt like I was, I just felt so, so low, but I didn't know it at the time, but that really put me on a journey of being like, okay, you are more than this body. You are more than this weight. And these are the practices that you're going to have to do to heal yourself because your healing is not going to be a quick fix. And your healing is so much more than just like how you look. Um, so that put me on the journey of body acceptance, you know, which I've been on for the past four years or so. And, you know, it makes me so, I, it doesn't, um, it never passes me and it never leaves me that this is something I feel good about. And I never thought I'd get to this place. I thought for my whole life, I'd have 
this dark passenger of my eating disorder, of, of my disordered eating. And I thought I would forever live my life in that cycle. And I feel so thankful, you know, now that I'm out of it. Not oh. perfect. I definitely, definitely have, have my things, but yeah, I just feel better than ever. Yeah, no, that's so powerful. And the more people I discuss this with, the more evident it becomes that these fears and these stigmas and the shame and the diet culture and the thin, you know, quote unquote, thin mentality, it's just programmed into us since we are little, you know, little tiny children. And that just goes to show like how deep these roots go. So as you said, you know, you're not perfect, like things still come up, like that's, that's why I feel because these roots go so deep. And I mean, I just, it's, I know it gets kind of iffy there. People are like, can you fully recover? Can you not? Whatever you believe. Like, I just, I agree with you where it is. It's like, you've got to be willing to do the work no matter when and no matter how it shows up, because you never know when something's going to trigger, you know, like a thought or an old habit, something like that. Um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's something you have to be open to facing for as long as it takes to work through it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, and I noticed too, that like when I started to meditate and really start on my spiritual journey, I realized I was so much more than like just being a body and that helped so much. Um, and getting older, you know, it's like, I have to really give it to age in a lot of ways. I remember high school and college, my goodness, my to-do lists were basically like how to look better. It was like, it, it like makes me cringe. It was like, go tanning. Like, honestly, I was from Ohio. So we used to tan. It was just so silly. Like that's all I was focused on. And that never brought me happiness. The same with material things. It never truly brought me happiness. So now that I'm on like a path of true happiness, whether that's through my purpose, passion, or just like a spiritual path, it's helped me to be like, okay, I'm so much more than like how much I weigh. And I'm still like heavier than I ever, you know, it's, I'm at the weight where I would have been like, oh my God, I would never like, you know, the weight that I would have crumbled before. And now I just kind of live here because I've found a bigger mission than, than my body. And I've really been working on it. And it's one of those things. It's not overnight. Like, and I still have my days. Oh my goodness. I still, you know, I can catch myself in moments of like, oh, wow, you're, you ate that. And then, so now what, now what are we going to do? You know, now what's next? Um, so yeah, it's just a long, hard road, but so is, so is life. <laughs> well, and what you referred to earlier about that sort of chess game that goes on in our mind and something I'm really diving into lately and trying to bring to, you know, anyone listening is how much of an impact these disordered eating habits, tendencies, thoughts have on our mental health, because it is quite literally a constant chess game going on in your mind. Um, it, and I feel that is the hardest part to recover from like your body. Yes. If you give it proper things, it can bounce back pretty easy. Your body, and that's the issue, you know, little side tangent, but with some of these programs, you know, force issues such as these is that they get you to a physically healthy place, but your mind is nowhere near to being recovered and healing. Um, and so it's just what you said about meditation. I feel, you know, whether people are religious and they find it through prayer or they're spiritual and they find it through aspects such as meditation or cards, astrology, whatever it be, finding that purpose like outside of yourself is mm -hmm. just, I, I agree, like so crucial. And a book that actually helped me was The Untethered Soul. So I listened mm -hmm. to it on audiobook and 
learning to discern like my thoughts from, you know, like those intruding thoughts, which could be from the outside world, or in this case, from an eating disorder, that was so, so powerful to be able to stop and analyze where's this thought coming from rather than just acting on it, you know, instead of following that urge to, to just feel that guilt over the food or to hate your body. It's, it's like taking that pause. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Meditation did that for me. And I, I cannot underestimate that in my journey and its importance. And you know, it is for me, it's like, what was healing was me being able to separate the thoughts out and give me a moment. You know, it's like, if I had a binge and I'm trying to think I had probably a binge maybe a few weeks ago. And it was like, you know, before it was like binge, it was like shame, guilt. And it just was like binge, shame, guilt, next steps. What are we going to do? How are we going to restrict all these things? And now it's like, okay, binge. Now I have a moment. What do we do when we binge? we move on. We accept that as life. And it just is like that pause that so many of us need with everything. You know, I need to pause all the time and having that just to help me make better decisions. And I remember, you know, I used to like hear people, I'd be like, cause I was searching for like binge, binge disorder, eating recovery. Like I'd be like, Oh, what's the answer? What do they do? And they'd always be like, you know, drink water or like, they'd be like, try and distract yourself. I'm like, what do you mean? Like when you're in it, like you are like, it's like you leave your body, you know, like you literally leave your body. And I was like, what do you mean? Take a walk. Like this isn't how this works. And, um, but it just had to become something that was super subtle for me, you know, through the meditation, whether I was done with the binge and I'm like, okay, we're not going to feel ashamed about it. Or whether I was in the binge and I was able to be like, okay, do we want to do this? And even if I said yes, it's like being more present for it. Right. And having, I feel grace for yourself afterwards, which is what you were kind of referring to is not falling into that shame guilt spiral where your brain just catastrophizes everything that happens. Um, and I feel you, it was, you know, a couple weeks ago, similarly, I had been working all day, came home super late from waitressing and just really, you know, like whether it was a binge or just a really big, you know, overeating moment, um, that typical response would have been that spiral. And it goes into, like you said, the next couple of days, you alter everything. Um, and choosing to not do that is so powerful. And even if it doesn't resolve, you know, the issue, like it's not going to fix quote unquote your binge. Um, I feel it's one of those things pra- like practice, you know, each time you do it, you build that strength. So the next time it's better and better. But I mean, it might be if, you know, you're just, you came home and you, and you ate a perfect meal and then you woke up and you ate a perfect meal. Like, what would that be? You know, it doesn't even like, it's not realistic. Sometimes I'll have, you know, dear friends after, you know, coming out talking about this, they'll be like, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I binged. I had like 12 mini Reese's last night. And I'm like, babe, like, what is life if you're not having one day of eating 12 mini Reese's, you know? And you know, that doesn't mean disrespect your body, but also for you serving. I mean, honey, I served forever. That is so energy expending. And sometimes, you know, now I think like, okay, I've been on my feet all day. I've been talking to strangers. I've been like having these like energy exchange conversations. I've been exerting energy. I'm probably really hungry. And also in addition to that, I'm probably energy depleted, like from an emotional level. There's like two things happening there where it's like, emotionally, this feels good. Food feels good. I kind of want that comfort. And also I'm really hungry and like, it's okay. It's just kind of like picking it apart and noticing. Yeah. And on that note, like, do you feel that in that journey, you were ever emotionally restricting 
So it's not like the physical act you're eating all the quote, you know, you're eating all the foods that your body should technically need, but rather than having just, you know, like the other day you said you had, you know, muffin with icing, which I loved that. Cause I would say the same thing versus Literally, I didn't even realize everyone's like, that's a cupcake. I'm like, Yo, I've done that I'm before. Still, <laughs> still, I'm still there. Yeah. But just like the idea of, you know, rather than just enjoying the dessert you want or the meal you want going for the you know, quote unquote, more healthier thing and just building that emotional restriction. Was that something you had to work through as well? I still, I think that's my number one thing is like, so I also had, um, you know, I, I've been vegetarian for over 10 years and I've been vegan, plant-based, um, dirty vegan, you know, people would say, um, for four years, five years. So it was an interesting play for me to also have like, um, a spiritual belief in something and then also it'd be restrictive in a sense. So I was also playing with that. So there was like an emotional component to my eating anyways. And I'm a person that's like, I still have the good, bad mentality in my head of things. So if I say, oh, that's coconut ice cream, you know, it's all natural. I'm like, good. That means I can eat as much as I want because I've restricted myself from the bad. So I actually this year have been trying to like unwind from things I previously labeled as bad and just like work them into my life and diet. And, you know, one of those things, like I said, um, in my post was cereal, you know, I used to, oh my gosh, crush cereal in high school. And it, to be honest, it was like actually unhealthy because it was like a sugar spike. And then I was like in class and I was like exhausted. There was no protein, no fiber to hold me over. Um, but now, you know, having healthier alternatives of cereal, I'm like moving myself away from demonizing the food so that I don't demonize any food. And I'm plant-based, like I said, and, um, I've been in corp, you know, sometimes I've had eggs in the past year. I've had fish every once in a while, like not really, maybe five times in the past four years, but just to force myself to have it, to be like, okay, there's no dogma here. We can have this. We're choosing to not. Yes. I think that's such a powerful distinction between, you know, choosing and just the involuntary restriction. I told the story to a friend the other day, uh, you know, for the longest time, I'm, so I'm actually lactose intolerant, but before I you got the official get-go, um, I had just been dairy free for so long. And last time, last year when I was in California, I wanted to try uh, salt, salt and straw, whatever oh, that good. really good ice cream is. But the yes. one I went to on Abbott Kinney only had one vegan flavor. So I said, screw it, got the dairy one. And, you know, it didn't end well, <laughs> you know, like I'm definitely not okay with dairy right now. But it was that idea of, yeah, like I let myself try it and I now know, like I don't feel that restriction anymore, you know, like I just know yeah. that when I see that ice cream, you know, if I, if I want to feel my best, I might just not be able to have that in the moment. So it, yeah. it is like a powerful mind shift, I think. There's a charge, you know, there's a charge there. There's like an electricity when you're like going to Salt and Straw and you're like, you walk in, you're like, you could not have anything. Then you're like, you know, that creates yes. this charge relationship where you like, you know, you want it more and it's the demonization of, of things that don't even, um, you know, that just don't serve you. And, you know, to the point of having dairy, it's like, I've done that where like with fish, you know, with mm -hmm. salmon, I think I had salmon like one time last year and I was like, you know what, you're going to eat salmon. Like you're going to eat salmon because 
it's so good for you. And I just want you, you know, I just want like to be okay with this. I like, ugh, I was like, this is so gross. And it's salmon's, I used to love it. It was delicious and it's amazing for people. So this is just my personal opinion, but I was like, oh, I don't even want this. But it was nice, like you said, to just like get over that energy of no, no, no. And just like allow it to be. Yeah, no, that's, I, I had never really like that charge, the way you said that I never really put it like that, but that is so, so true where you just feel that magnetic pull, you know, to whatever we're not supposed to do in life, yeah. whatever we're not supposed to quote unquote have, but, oh, that's, you know, amazing. And as, as we, you've mentioned in your body acceptance episodes and something that I struggle with personally, a lot of people do as part of this journey is also the weight gain. And you touched on this before that, you know, you are at a size now where you just, like it's a thought you never thought of. And I'm in the same position. Um, you know, I'm wearing clothes sizing that I, you know, I never imagined I'd be here, but I feel so good and so confident now. And so I'm just kind of curious, like when embarking on any sort of recovery or weight gain, body acceptance journey, I think something that can be very detrimental is um, outside comments, you know, un yeah. unwelcome comments. So I'm just curious in any sort of journey like that, where your body is going to be changing, how would you advise maybe like setting boundaries with those around you so that you're not getting that unsolicited advice or the comments or anything that can really damage your mindset when you're trying to heal, heal that relationship to your body? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And it's so funny. I'm so like with the comments, like I don't even, it's like, I don't even remember if people said anything to me, but also it's like, I don't think I've really created relationships with many people that I know at this point that would ever be those that were like, oh, I feel fat today or I feel gross. And, you know, I've even, um, I do remember, you know, being in the, like the influencer world, like adjacent to that, being at events and, um, you know, talking to strangers and them saying things poorly about themselves. And it always just made me so uncomfortable. But so I don't really think I'm in relationships like that. But I think for people, it's like being really honest about the boundaries that you have and just saying explicitly, like, maybe it's to someone you love, maybe it's to your family. And I think family is usually the ones that like, lovingly can say things that will really trigger you. Um, and, you know, I definitely have, have been in that boat and just being like, Hey, you know, like I'm, I'm really working on this. And I would love if like any comment that you have about the way that I look, just be something that's about what I'm doing with my life or anything else. Like I'm just be honest about working on it. And I think people will understand. And I think this is like the thing is people think that if you say something nice or good, that you can say whatever you want. So they're like, you know, the assumption, right? The assumption within the collective um, diet culture is if you look thin, that is good. So it's like, if someone were to say, oh, you look thin, you know, they assume that they're telling you something that is good, but with someone with disordered eating, that doesn't really work that way. Um, and I think the overall awareness is increasing, but I think you just have to be honest. You have to be honest about the boundaries. You don't need to explain it. You don't need to be like, Hey, I think about this 24 seven, but you just have to be like clear about, um, what you want to engage with and what you don't. Right. And as you said, on the flip side, when you are when it's coming from you, you know, when you were around family, friends at a social event, were you ever like something I caught myself doing, I suppose a couple months ago was how the moment I was around people I was comfortable with, the self-criticism would just pop up, you know, and it's kind of like you show up and 
someone compliments your hair and you're like, oh, it's, you know, I don't like it, you know, know. I didn't do much today. So like, did you kind of, how did you maybe set boundaries with yourself or shift that internal dialogue so that you weren't necessarily like saying those things around others Mm -hmm. or thinking those thoughts when you walk into a room and there's, you know, all these influencers or just people around you that may make you feel a bit insecure or not as confident? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I always, you know, I see every, this out, I'm about to say something that like, I use as I use as a guide, but I don't always apply to. I used to try to see every interaction as like a teacher. And I just remember being at events or being around people, even friends. And, you know, when they would talk about their body, like in certain moments, if it was like a really honest and real, like, of course I'm there. But if I felt like at some points it would be exhausting to be a receiver of someone saying like, Oh, I look so fat or my hair is gross or my outfit sucks or yeah, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And it would hurt. Like it actually, there's like an energetic that the other person feels on the other end that hurts and doesn't feel good. And so I just remember thinking, I'm like, Oh, I don't really like to see people like that, you know? Cause then you're in the cycle of this person saying something, whether they think it's true or not. And you're exerting all your energy to try and convince something of someone, something of someone that's like, programmed in their mind that really you can't do anything about. So I just remember, I was like, oh, I don't really find that like something I want to engage with or be. And, you know, I will be honest too, that like my shame around whatever I'm insecure about, I don't talk about because I don't want, because my mind doesn't want to draw attention to it. So I think some people have shame or guilt about things and they want to talk about it. They want to feel better about it by in community or in conversation. For me, if I have shame or guilt about something, you will not hear about it. (laughs) You will not hear about it unless I am actively in process with it. I'm working on it and it's on its way out because I've found that like, if I have shame or guilt about something and I speak it out loud to someone, then I'm just going to get a quick hit of validation from them. And it will continue me on the path of not doing anything about it rather than do something about it. And that's, what's dangerous about, you know, if you have friends or community members or people that you're like, Oh, I feel fat. Or, you know, I feel like I ate too much. And they're like, Oh yeah, it's fine. Like you look great. It's like, that's fine, but it doesn't help you really in the end. Like you really have to seek, help for your own issues that you have. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I think what it's making me think of in this moment is something I've been dabbling in lately is the difference between uh, praise and affirmations. So with praise, it could be those automatic responses of no, oh, you look great. Like, oh, like you're not fat, whatever you would say. And praise though comes with an undertone of um, judgment, right? Because you're saying whether something's technically good or bad, quote unquote, Versus an affirmation is more of like just a personal support, right? Like you're affirming whatever they are saying or they're believing. And, you know, I feel it takes practice to distinguish, you know, between the two, especially when you're talking with friends or loved ones and it can be easy to just rattle out a praise for them or, you know, kind of as a compliment. But I think like the power of affirming not only yourself, but others can be so beneficial and removing, as we mentioned before, those like good or bad moral values, and then just like building that person's own like self-confidence, self-worth. Do you know what I mean? Yes. There's like, um, you know, and this is why I do, I've done Reiki, you know, Reiki, Reiki master training is like, there's an energy if there's an energetic difference. If someone's like, oh, you know, I feel ugly in this outfit 
and someone being like, oh my gosh, no, like you look fine. You're like, you look great. You know, and there's like that, there's the energetic push of making them stop. The person wants them to stop. I'm like, oh, you look great. No, you look fine. And there's a difference between that and like the energy coming back and you being really present. It's like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Like, I think you look great, you know, but if there's, you know, was there something that happened today that makes you feel that way? And just really like giving that person space to be with them with, for that comment rather than like almost ignoring what they're saying and just kind of providing like the blanket statement in response. And of course this is like Kung Fu, you know, this is the goal to always respond in this way and it doesn't always work this way, but really that's like what you always try to do and then almost mirror back to them, you know, cause I think sometimes you know, for me personally, I'll say things or I've thought things. And it's like, if I heard myself say it, I'd be like, Oh my God. You know, if I was like, Oh my God, my legs look gross. And I said that. And if someone's like, Oh my God, you're you're like, why would you say your legs look gross? It's, you know, it's kind of repeating that back. And then you're like, and then people can kind of come back to of like, is that me or is that my programming? That's just like spewing all this information. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. And I love that idea of the mirroring back. Um, it's kind of like a mini coaching technique in that sense too, like working with someone in that sense. Um, but then also like, I'm just curious, you mentioned Reiki. I'm real big into that too. Do you feel as though that helped you with this journey? Because I know, I guess you would have, yeah, you would have been doing that during this body acceptance journey. So how did that impact this for you then? Yeah, it was huge. And I just did um, an episode on my Reiki journey and it was, I would say it was just wildly impactful for me. You know, I started to do Reiki with um, Milana Snow, one of my really dear friends. And now I work with other healers here in LA, but I just had profoundly transformational experiences that first really allowed me to like express and move through a lot of emotion. And, you know, from my, my belief, this is my belief is that a lot of what I had stored on my body was like unprocessed emotion, unprocessed grief, sadness, like fear, all this energy that was stuck in my body. So the Reiki energy going through me was really helpful for me with shedding all of that. And then in my process of becoming a a Reiki master, it was like, I was able to move through a lot of blocks that I had or traumas that I had in my body very gently through the Reiki attunement process to finally be able to feel like my soul was fitting better in my body and that I was more embodied than ever. And I think a lot of my pain with my body, you know, being in a body was like overall just like the sole act of being in a body, (laughs) you know, like that my, that I literally am a soul that exists in this body. It's like you have this expansive, like thousand foot, like infinite energy that like you are, and then you are being channeled into this very tiny meat suit on this planet and how exhausting that must be for your beautiful soul spirit energy to be existing in this body. You know, it's like this expansive thing in this body. So I think a lot of it was also like, oh, I don't really want to be in a body. I just want to like exist in the ether, but I would just recommend anyone, you know, whatever healing modality they do or they choose to align with, like, this is a healing process. You know, it's not a diet. It's not finding foods that like, it's, it's things like intuitive eating for sure. It's, it's other things, but it really is healing this wound that, that we all have. 
I feel like it's almost as though, you know, in these body acceptance journeys and the weight gain and everything, maybe what we're like, we're not actually yearning for a quote unquote lighter body, but that lighter state of like mental and emotional being. So as you were saying with the soul, like it's maybe not your body that's like trapping you. I mean, it is in a sense, but also like that mental and emotional energy and weight that we carry. I just, I, you know, I've been there similar to you where it's like after Reiki, you just feel as though you are floating and it's, it's like your body hasn't changed, but that mental, emotional, just like spiritual self of you, like it's, it's elevated and it's lighter and it, it's so expansive. And I feel like that's something I've been focusing on lately is I don't care so much, you know, like my body size, the weight, how that feels, but how does my mind and emotions feel right? Because for so long we neglect those and we just focus on the body. And I think that that's what Reiki or as you said, any practice, like any practice you want to do that lightens that weight and the burden of your mental and emotional and spiritual being. I feel like that's, that's part of the process. Like that's a key part to it as well. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Like your, your mental, emotional and spiritual, like your spirit is everything, you know? And once you realize how eternal we are, it's like so much easier to focus on that than just like the bodies that we're in and life just becomes more fun. It becomes more expansive. Um, And so really like the spiritual path and my spiritual journey has been really healing for this too. You know, reading about, um, ideas and concepts that just speak to like a more divine infinite creator that creates us and like the general understanding of our power just also helps you be more like, okay, like this is, it is what it is. And like, it's allowing me to do and experience all these things for this time on the planet. And like, for that, I'm so grateful. Always comes back to gratitude. <laughs> oh. Well, for anyone that's just like going through this right now, is there a quote or a book um, or maybe both that has just really been speaking to you lately or it really helped you during this journey that others could go out and find and, you know, just immerse themselves into as well? Yeah. My um, number one favorite book to recommend is Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth. Have you read? I haven't. No, I'm curious though. All of Janine Roth's books are amazing. She probably has five that I've read. And, you know, there's also a book called The Food Therapist, which is really good. I really loved The Food Therapist. But Woman, Food, and God was just really this like beautiful transformational thing about our relationship with food and how we deny ourselves like divine pleasure. We deny ourselves this nourishment. Um, and I really loved reading that. So that was the most healing for me. Um, so I would suggest that for sure. And then, you know, get support, whether that's support from an energy healer or a therapist. Um, my therapist now is like really versed in, in disordered eating and body image. Um, so, you know, we work on that you know, as well when it comes up, but asking for help is, is huge. And I know it can be nerve wracking for some, but there are so many people that struggle. Like I think for most women, it's, it's been a conversation at least one time in their life. So asking for help is always really important. Yes. Yes. And even if that starts with telling a friend or, I don't know, there's lots of sources online too, that you can kind of go to and get help from. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess like just overall, where can people find you, learn more, follow along? I, I love, you know, your captions. They're like, sometimes they're super simple and then sometimes you just come on and it's just like the words are so beautiful and just so needed. And obviously the podcast, but 
Oh, that means so much. Yeah, I, I hope that's my intention because sometimes, <laughs> oh my God, another day, another caption. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at It's Krista. And then um, the podcast, Almost 30, you know, we've had this lovely angel on, so you can listen to that episode. And um, we talk about body, spirituality, entrepreneurship, all of the things. And really the goal was to like, just help everyone in their evolution, you know, whatever that journey is. Um, but yeah, this has been so much fun. I mean, this has been such a delight. You're such a good interviewer. And I just really am grateful, you know, that you're in our community. You've been such a light for us. Well, thank you.